In this episode, we chat about why society makes it so damn hard to navigate the legislation and why we need to push through it so that we can get more children outdoors. And we chat about our own journey in embracing the red tape as an essential part in advocating for children. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their song lines and storylines and pay respects to the elders past, present and those that are emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. We're your host, Nikki Farrell. And Vicky Oliver. Before we start, we wanted to let you know that we'll be running a free webinar on how to change your mindset from educator to entrepreneur when starting a nature play business. It will be held live on Thursday, the 25th of November, but you'll be able to catch the replay anytime on our website, or you could join the mailing list to register at wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business. But today we're actually going to talk about why you should start a nature play business, even though the red tape can be so incredibly difficult to Mm. navigate, and why we really wholeheartedly believe that you shouldn't let the thought of wading through the murky waters of legislation, regulations, insurance, permits, all of those things, to stop you from starting your dream business. So to start with, we wanted to talk about and remind you of all the reasons why getting children outdoors is so important. Yeah, there are so many reasons, but we've only got one short podcast. So (laughs) we're just going to handpick a couple of them. But for us, some of the main reasons we run outdoor play programs for children are that they really genuinely help children assess, appreciate and take risks. There's not many places in society, particularly in schools, where children are assessing real risk and their bodies and making choices and that bodily autonomy where they can feel that sense of either fear or perceived danger uh, and and outdoor play is great for that. Mm, And then on top of that, it's dealing with the failure and Mm. learning to develop the resilience that comes from not getting everything right the first time and that we need to persevere. So all those really critical, and we hate saying it, but those soft skills always, we like to reframe them, life skills, Mm. uh, you have a perfect opportunity to really encourage that and celebrate that. Yeah. I personally love that it has made my children more self-sufficient. They pack their bags, but, you know, and I know school kids do this too and other, other programs as well, but they pack their bags, they pack what they need for forest school. But not just that, because of the way that we run our programs, they have full choice over what they do in the older programs. So they sit at the start of the term and they decide as a democratic group where they're going to take that direction Mm. during the term. And that helps them become these self-confident decision makers, these great little communicators and negotiators. They really learn to take care of not just themselves but the group as well. And I'd also add with the self-sufficiency is that they're not only just having to pack a bag, they're having to plan ahead of time Mm. depending on the conditions of the day. When you're inside all day, you don't have to plan for, you know, is it sunny, is it hot, is it raining? Those sorts of things have to be taken into consideration when you're working outside. 
Mm, absolutely. Outdoor learning is also really great for helping children connect to not just nature, but their space and their community. It really helps give them that sense of place and space in the world. And if you're looking at how you can map it to your framework, this is it. Your early mm. years framework wants you to, for your children to belong. And this is how we do it. We connect in nature. Yeah, and then they have that appreciation for nature. So we're not just trying to talk to them about sustainability or the great outdoors, nature, and our space in it because they're actually they're spending time there and they're connected. So it, it actually builds that um, interrelationship and those neural pathways to actually understand why we're trying to help them understand their importance of being in nature and looking after it as well. Mm, that they're part of the world, not separate to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. As an English teacher, I love that it increases ecological literacy, that you know our children can name birds and plants and, and many more birds and plants than I even can. I think that mm. continues to astound me and I just love it because, again, that gives them that sense of place and also that seasonality. You, you know, at kindy this week in our morning circle, we looked up and said, what's changed at the creek today? And one of our regulars said, oh, the spangled drongo's back. I just wanted to say spangled drongo, really. <laughs> that's so but, good. But that's to say he's been coming for two years and he remembers that, you know, last year there was a spangled drongo's nest and there it is again and we were able to identify it and, and we named it, you know. So we're part of that space now and I yeah. love that we're seeing those those seasonality. And also um, challenging that seasonality that we think we know about, you know, yes. summer, spring, autumn, it doesn't work that way for us in the Southern Hemisphere. So we're actually challenging and making people notice what does actually happen during our autumn, what does actually happen during our summer and those mm. in-between seasons as well because in many parts of Australia we have seasons within seasons. Yeah. Or for example, down at our creek, we have weed species that drop their leaves in spring. It yeah. makes no sense <laughs> to the children when we talk about what happens in autumn. So yeah, exactly. but it's, we're breaking it down, not just to seasonality, but to individual species of plants, which I just love. Yeah. And because of all this, we're really creating what we see as engaged learners. They're passionate learners. They're so here for it. They want to know more. They're thirsty for more. They've got ideas. They're so motivated. And as a result of that, we've also got motivated and engaged educators as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was only talking to someone on Thursday saying, I don't need to be down in the forest anymore. We've got such incredible staff and enough of them. I could, I could not be down there, but I'm still learning stuff down there mm. and I'm constantly re-inspired down there, whereas the thought of having to mark assignments on a weekend right now, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep, exactly. And then, you know, on, on, on top of all that, we're getting the fine and gross motor skills. We're improving their health outcomes and not just their physical, we're talking emotional, mental mm. and their environmental health as well. And we're really helping them to improve their concentration skills because yeah. They need to be in the moment. They need to be looking at and thinking about what they're doing because if they don't, then something serious could happen. Scientifically, research has shown as well that being outdoors for more than 10 minutes when you come back indoors, it improves your academic results. So, mm. you know, there's more than there's so many reasons to do it. I actually can't think of many why we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, and look, we've talked about so many of these benefits in many, many of our podcasts. So we just wanted to re-remember those uh, mm -hmm. in this context because it's so important to, to keep this in mind. 
And I guess the next thing that we ask ourselves is, so why are people making it so hard Mm. to get outside? It's to keep children safe, yes, but at what cost? So let's have a look at some of the stats. So what is happening to our children when we deprive them of this amazing opportunity? Well, one of the things that have changed probably since we all went to school is that screens are expected at school now. So, And we can't blame the – I definitely want to, you know, clarify here, we can't blame just schools for this. But the average child spends eight hours a day in front of screens. So clearly they're not at school all day, they're not at home all day, but that time could be in the morning when they're getting up. It can be, you know – Children at school are expected to have iPads in prep and Mm. laptops by year four or five in some schools, definitely by high school. Oh, yeah. So for teenagers, it's an average of 11 hours a day in front of screens. There's a very, very big agenda in high schools to be using more and more technology. Like it was was a really huge push for teachers to be getting their ICT licences. Absolutely. And for your lessons to be absolutely on the smart board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that they can be accessible at school, at home, you know, they're already going towards that sort of thing. So it is unsurprising that children are spending an inordinate number of hours in front of screens. And there are benefits to that, but yeah. uh, in terms of uh, learning, I think technology can be amazing. Absolutely. But not if you don't have any hours left in a day to do anything else. Mm, I want to reiterate there too that that's a stat from 2013 mm. that has no COVID stats in it. Yes. I can guarantee in lockdown that that number has not gone down. No, it's probably gone mm. up for a number of age groups. Yeah. And then in addition to that, we're seeing the amount of time that children have spent in child-structured play has decreased by 50% since the 80s with children devoting a lot more time to their indoor activities. Mm. Um, and and that's really sad and alarming but understandable with the way that we view the world these days. Yeah. There's been a 25% increase in diagnoses of children with anxiety disorder as well. Again, that's an older stat, so that has I know that has increased And again, we can't solely blame that on not going outdoors, but when we know from the data that going outdoors and moving our bodies helps relieve our anxiety in a great group of people, then we can start to see, you know, is it chicken or the egg as well. Mm. And also the number of people around the world uh, and health professionals that are are actually using nature as part of the antidote to that. So they're saying, you know what, the first step, or one of the steps in your recovery or in in your treatment Mm. is to spend more time in nature. And that's been clearly documented scientifically in different places around the world. And that's for multiple disorders too, or Mm. it's for weight loss and health. It's for anxiety Mm -hmm. and for depression. Like they're they're issuing out these scripts for nature, for vitamin N, for multiple, multiple reasons. Yeah, and that is another stat that we have, which is uh, that, 20, almost 20% of Australian children are meeting the National Physical Activity Guidelines. So mm. only one out of every five children are getting the right amount of movement in their day. You know, in this active, active outdoorsy country that we believe that we live in, it's just unfortunately not true. You know, we have mm. a quarter of all children in primary school age have a BMI of overweight or obese. So you know, that's and that's really hard to recover from once you hit adulthood. Mm. So, again, stats show that if you're obese or overweight as a child, then your chances are pretty much, you know, it's very, very hard 
to stop that trajectory as an adult. Yeah. And we also just want to caveat that there that we know that BMIs as an indicator of health is it's it's not and it's not an indicator that we would base wholly and solely, but it is it just gives you an idea of what's happening with our children mm, um, yeah. and, and where they, you know, like it's something to t- take into consideration. And then also in terms of our physical health, when we talk to optometrists uh, and looking at some of those stats, myopia is reaching epidemic levels. So mm. that's short-sightedness. It's essentially what's happening is because people aren't going outside and using their long-distance vision or we're actually looking a foot in front of us a lot of the time, we're actually ruining our eyesight and we've got so many more children who are needing prescription uh, eyewear now um, than we have ever had before. Yeah. And, look, this, this, there's a lot of reasons for all of this, you know, for children being less active in the outdoors. It's a product of overburdened educators with full curriculums. It's working or busy, you know, dual parents. There's this increased culture of risk and fear throughout society as well. And, and we'd like to add anecdotally that there's this pressure of being left behind with mm-hmm. social media and screens and there's this lack of real-life connection and this increased intake of fake foods and a decrease in physical activity and this pressure to do homework and, 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 and. Mm. It's, there's a lot of reasons behind it, but there seems to be at least one easy, free, cheap way that we can help children feel better holistically yeah Mm. and then there's you know we have our own anecdotes about children who haven't felt mud who haven't climbed trees who literally have said i've never been in a forest before i just about cried yeah (sighs) just last week uh we hadn't we were camping and we had an experienced educator approach us while we were camping and she asked us what who we were and what we were doing and she said i've been watching you and your children and they, they're different. They move their bodies different. They move them more confidently. They're stronger and they're more coordinated and, yeah, you, you let them play in more risky ways. But she was so glad. She was so mm. happy to see it because she's a director at a kindergarten and um, it was just it was nice to hear but it was really sad. It was yeah. really sad to hear too. Yeah, it was, it was like awesome to hear that it was visible Mm. And that we are doing the right thing, but sad in the fact that it was an anomaly. It was so noticeable. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So then why are we so fearful of children playing yeah, outdoors? Yeah, with all those stats, we should be mm. streaming outdoors. That's right. But I think we're so worried. I think a lot of, of of parents are really worried about being reported to the Department of Children's Services. Yeah, um, I've definitely had parents ask me why my child's climbing on the outside of the slide tunnel and yours have yeah. been asked if it's okay that they're so far up trees. I've had security guards come and talk to me about children climbing trees before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it is a real worry that people have. And then as business owners, we're also worried about being sued. We've just become such a litigious society. But the flip side of this, of course, is that working our way through all of the red tape not only protects the children in our care, it also protects our businesses, mm. it protects our family homes, it protects our families. So essentially, the red tape, we need to think of it in a way that we need to do what's right, not what's easy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just summed it up. That's it. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's all well and good for us to say, right? We're here, we're five years in, but yep. I know when we first started, the, the red tape just felt impossible, right? Yeah. Look, yeah. we can't expect all that red tape, the bureaucracy, all of those things, we can't expect that to just go away overnight. And we do have differences state by state. There's not 
a regulatory body in Australia that makes decisions. We're working, uh, and around the world even. So mm. if you're listening from outside of Australia, you're going to have different regulations, legislators, all of those things to, to what we have in our state of Queensland in Australia. Mm. And, you know, it it is frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating and it was so time consuming for us because no one knew where to put us and we didn't we didn't know the right questions to ask but you know those regulations those laws the insurances all of those things are in place for a reason and if we flip our mindset then this is your chance as a business to show that you understand it that you can and are working with it and that you can provide a program and a business that is safe but also allows for risky play. We know that this can happen because there's businesses out there doing it now. There are centres that are doing it. There are even a couple, a very small, small percentage of schools doing it. So, yes, you can follow all the rules and the regs and at the same time you can show people that you're not going to water down children's experiences so that they don't learn those essential life skills. Amen. <laughs> Get me on my high horse. Yeah, it, requi- it does require that shift in it your does. mindset. You know, we're, I'm going to say it, we're glad we've waited up yeah. for the red tape. We know, we know that we are running mm, our programs legally and as safely as we possibly can, whilst we're still allowing for risky play activities. Like we yeah. can be safe and legal and allow children to experience a snippet of what we had as children. And I think that's what we all want, you know, because mm. our generation and above, God, grandparents love us. They yeah, love okay. what we do. You know, the old story, oh, I didn't come home till the streetlights were on and mm-hmm. I used to roam, fifth, you know, five miles. They want that for their grandchildren. And this yeah. is one of the ways we can provide, albeit a more sanitised version, but the way that we can do it in our current society with the cultural factors that we now have that we didn't have a couple mm-hmm. of generations ago. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so for most people wanting to start an H play business, the biggest barrier to starting is the red tape, jumping through the hoops. But more than that, it's sometimes just not even knowing what the hoops are. Yeah. That's the first part. What, what, like, where do I even start? Like, that's what what it was for us, wasn't it? We just didn't even know. When we first started, we didn't even know who to call. Mm -hmm. There was like one business around locally. Um, and they couldn't help us at the time, and we it was it was a real like I don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we just we had to slowly wade through it, ask questions, and ask more questions, and have little moments of I wonder, and just sending some emails. Like it was, it's been a very very long process. Oh, hours, hours, hours and, and hours, hours of phone calls and emails, especially, you know, five years ago because mm-hmm. people didn't know what a nature play business was and insurers didn't know where to put us and, you know, the education department did. It's slowly changing but there was, there was no one to talk to about this five years ago. That's right. And it's only because we've created this business that we actually have a handle on the requirements for each state now. Like in, mm. in Nikki in particular, you've spent hours and hours of phone calls and navigating mm. it all. And the process will continue. Uh, we're collaborating and sharing information within the nature play community, which is amazing, and still trying to, to nut down some of the finer points and details and advocating more for what we want. But we didn't want to waste all this knowledge and just yeah. be gatekeepers to it because 
number one, we have been getting so many emails and messages oh. asking for advice and phone calls. And, if you've been um, in our DMs, we apologise. <laughs> yeah. We can't keep up. It's really hard. Yeah, it's Mm. not sustainable. And so what we've decided to do is create our Your Wild Business course. So Mm. that way we can help you show you exactly where to find the answers to all these types of questions, break them all down, show you what steps to take and all the processes. And what you'll find is that you're really capable, like you are so capable and you'll become like really confident in knowing that you are a safe and a legal business. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's exactly how we teach things at Forest School. Like we're just yes. seems like we're honestly just setting you up for success with these tiny, small micro steps, these small achievable tasks that that build success. You know, rather than saying, here, look at the five thousand tasks you need to do before well and go, it's not five thousand. That was probably a really scary number. To try <laughs> it's not that many. <laughs> it's not that many. It might feel that like that many. Yeah, That's probably but it's like that. here's a lesson and here's the workbook, and down the bottom here are the three actions that you need to take one by yeah. one. It's it's not going to get rid of the red tape, but it's here. We're here to help you understand it, understand its purpose, and as an educator, still know that you can run a risky play program within these regs, but you can confidently know that you're doing it safely and legally. And I think that's that's how Vicky and I sleep at night. Yeah. Honestly, pre having all this knowledge, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have felt confident starting this business if I thought that my friends, because in the start, when we started, it was all yeah. our friends attending. And I yeah. couldn't imagine if one of my, something had happened to one of my best friend's children, like pure accident, you know, they, yeah, I don't know, whatever it was, and that we couldn't protect them because we hadn't done the right thing. I couldn't exactly. sleep at night. So this is how we sleep at night. Exactly. And look, yeah, there's some states that have some tighter regulations that can be quite a bit of a barrier for certain types of programs, but that doesn't mean that we can't be part of the change. So we say it all the time, you've got to be Mm. the change you want to see in the world. So we need to start making some more noise and using what we know, using all of this information that we've been talking about to appeal to the regulators, to start making space for us, to start thinking about how can we fit into this framework for outdoor adventure and nature play programs. Mm, Absolutely. So what else can you do if you're starting at the moment and you're a little bit lost? You can, well, collectively, we're already building a community, but Mm. we would suggest that if you're, you know, if you're not doing our wild business course, we, or even if you are, we strongly suggest you join the Australian Forest School Association because they're doing some wonderful work. It's a new association, but they're doing some great work and and part of their mission is advocacy work and or create your own community, whether that's in real life or online, because we're more powerful when we work together. We're more knowledgeable when we share our knowledgeable. That's how we get this stuff done. That's it. And you've heard our reasons for starting our programs. It might be the time now to start really thinking about your reasons. Why Mm. not you, like, write them down. What do you want for your own children? Like, if you have children what is it that you want for them or if you had children what what was what's your vision for their life Mm. or their childhood what do you want in a career what do you want for your community what do you want for the planet write it down and then that becomes your vision for everything moving forward and when you're sitting down doing the red tape (laughs) yes keep that in mind put it stick it on the top of your computer screen or next to where you sit when you're making those phone calls And then you can see the reasons why you're doing this because 
you have to do it. There's no way around it. So find some good reasons to get it done. That's it. So in summary, what we really need is for more children to get outdoors for free play in nature. And you need to feel more purposeful and work in a job that aligns with your educational values and that suits your lifestyle dreams. Children are not getting that free play in nature at school. Many of them aren't even getting it on weekends either because of as a culture, we're just mm. scheduled. So we need to create these places and these spaces and programs for them. And navigating the red tape is actually a necessary part of this advocacy yep. work. We can't expect to run risky play activities without doing our due diligence. And once you have the roadmap, the fear, the overwhelm, we can actually turn that into something useful and feel empowered and confident. Yeah. So go and surround yourselves with people who've been through it before. Find mentors, find your like-minded community that want the same things and then break it into tiny chunks. In our wild business course, we've done all that hard work and the research for you. We've got the contacts, we've got the step-by-step framework to help get you there step-by-step and we hold your hand the whole way. It's clearly confusing. It makes us angry that it has to be this hard. Mm, but that's it does. Why we, it does. <laughs> that's why we decided to fill the gap by creating the Your Wild Business course. The more of us doing this means the more power we have to make meaningful change. Yeah. I honestly wish that we had this four or five years ago because knowing what I know now and how much time I know it will save people and how much time we put into the course, mm. let alone the content and stuff that we've done even before starting the course, I would have thrown what little money we had to start the business <laughs> into this course because yep. the time and the stress that it will save you in those late nights, I, ca- I can't even begin to tell you. No. It, yeah, you can't even quantify it because you no. can learn flora and fauna idea intrinsically on the job. You can find yeah. individual activities on Pinterest. You can yep. start with really simple nature crafts and then upskill yourself in workshops as your business grows. But if you're not legal, you don't really have a business and if you've got no insurance or the wrong insurance, the children in your care are not covered. Mm. And if you're not covered and your business isn't set up safely, your family, your home, they're not covered. Mm. So do your due diligence. That's the message in this. Do your due diligence and protect protect everyone. It does. That's what it's there for. If you would like to know more about our wild business course or to join us for our free webinar, make sure you head to the website www.wildthingsforestschool.com forward slash wild business. We'd love to have you along for the conversation. So until next week, stay wild. Stay wild. wild.